welcome everybody into the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast. Glad you're here with us. I'm Jason Ross. After the bye week, the Hornets are back in action this week. We will talk a little bit about that game against Northern Colorado, another road game for the Hornets. We'll also do a little perspective on a big sky right now, how it looks, what the Hornets' outlook is going forward, and kind of what to watch for as uh, another weekend of big sky football comes up. We're also going to hear from a former All-Big Sky Conference performer for the Hornets and current starting middle linebacker Armand Bailey. And we'll visit with the coaching staff, Coach Chris Perry, who's been around the program since everybody came over in 2019, all a part of the back-to-back-to-back Big Sky Championships. But he's currently the Director of Recruiting and Player Personnel, and you'll hear an interview with him as well. So that's all ahead on today's podcast. Thank you for checking it out. Tell a friend, tell other Hornets out there, that we're here. We do appreciate that. So let's first start kind of with the landscape of the Big Sky Conference. Again, this conference is so good. It continues to have a lot of teams ranked. They continue to beat each other up. But kind of surveying the scene, we're going to go over the standings. you got Cal Poly and Northern Colorado in the conference right now still looking for their first wins. you got a bunch of teams with one win, but let's start with the teams that are one and two. Weber State and UC Davis. The one-and-one teams include the Hornets, Eastern Washington, Portland State, and Idaho State. Two-and-one, Northern Arizona and Montana. Two-and-oh, Montana State. Three-and-oh, Idaho. Of course, Idaho beat the Hornets earlier this year. So the Hornets, in the latest rankings, they are currently fourth in one poll, fifth in another. You've got other teams that are ranked in the conference, including Eastern Washington, who's ranked 21. You've got... Montana State ranked two in both polls, number two. You've got Weber State ranked 22 or 23, depending on which poll. Idaho is three in both polls, and Montana is 16 or 10. So there's a lot of respect for the conference. And taking a look at this from the Hornets' perspective, they still would love to win the conference and win a fourth consecutive Big Sky Championship. It's going to take a little work now with the one loss, so they got to keep their eye on Idaho. Montana State, we mentioned earlier, already one of the other teams that's undefeated, but the Hornets play them, so they can control their destiny there. Idaho and Montana State still play each other, so there's a lot of shuffling that could still go on. If Sacramento State has goals of winning this, I don't know if they can lose much more than one game of winning the conference. I think a target of seven or eight wins gets them in the playoffs. They want as many as they can get. You want the best seed you could possibly get. They just got to keep winning. And when you look at this week's game against Northern Colorado, it's easy to look at a team that's 0-5 and uh, 0-2 in league. They've had some opportunities. They've played a tough schedule. So certainly Sacramento State coming off a bye, coming off a close call with Northern Arizona, cannot overlook Northern Colorado. Things to maybe watch this weekend as well or maybe root for if you're thinking of that uh, potential uh, back-to-back-to-back-to-back championship run for the Hornets, so four straight uh, we mentioned that Idaho plays Montana. That one's in Idaho. So, you know, maybe maybe you slightly lean for Montana. If not, I can understand if you want to see Montana get another loss. Hornets still play Montana in Montana later, but at some point Idaho would need to lose. Uh, I think a critical game in the conference has UC Davis playing Weber State. Not necessarily for conference supremacy by any means, but both teams have playoff dreams both are three and three right now so obviously someone's going to get their fourth loss and probably be left with zero margin for error and have to win out to get in so that's a critical game being played at Weber this weekend and then you also have uh, Northern Arizona who the Hornets 
beat, but hung on to beat last week in their bye week. They won again in the Hornets bye week. Northern Arizona won again, so they're two and one and just getting better. That's a team to watch as as league play continues on. So kind of an overlook there at uh, the conference. Certainly the Hornets in Northern Colorado this weekend in Greeley and Sacramento State. Hopefully during the bye week, got some guys healthy, loaded, ready to go, and uh, just get back on track and get ready for the back half of the season and the push for the finish. All right, let's get uh, some thoughts, though, on what the players are thinking and had a chance this week to catch in, catch up with Armand Bailey. He's just been a great Hornet and really has been had an awesome season. He's been good the last couple of years now that he's healthy and had a chance to catch up with Armand. I start by asking him how it all started for him at Sacramento State and basically how he became a Hornet. Uh, I was recruited by Jody Sears and my boy uh, Coach Lawanson, man, uh, my, during – I want to say 2018. Yeah, I graduated 2018, man. Yeah, I graduated 2018. So, yeah, they recruited me out of high school, from Vanda High School. And, yeah, man, been a Hornet since. What uh, What was it about Sac State that you said, yeah, I, I want to see what I can do as a Hornet? Uh, just the underdog uh, factor. You know, a lot of people were around me in the area who were talking about how Sac State really wasn't, like, a great school. And I wanted to see the school come up and, you know, and, and defy the odds that everybody said they couldn't do, which we're doing now. So it's been, been a great thing. So you've lived it. I mean, you, 2018, they weren't a great program, and they had some years, but nothing like what you guys have done since you've been here. Mm-hmm. What's it like now being on this side of it where you guys are back-to-back-to-back champions? Man, it's a great feeling, though. You know, uh, I just feel like it's cemented some history in this in this town, you know. It's also brought Sacramento up as a whole and the community. Everybody's coming out and watching us play and stuff like that, so I feel, just feel great. How about the challenges of your personal journey? Obviously, you've been all conference. You've been a star for this defense, but – it wasn't always that way. You had some injuries. And how about that challenge of how physical the sport is? You're entering college, but you've had a couple of pretty significant injuries. How have you made it through all that? Uh, just, man, just taking it day by day, you know, going back with my family, you know, praying and stuff like that, you know, being around others, um, just, you know what I'm saying, just trying to be in the, mo- in the moment and stuff like that. Like the Stuff like that definitely helps you when you're in those dark times, you know. It gives you a, a, a future to look ahead to, you know. And, you know, once you get that future, man, it just it's just something that you want to execute and want to do every day. And it just gives you uh, ambition and drive to do what you do every day. I know to get back on the field, probably whether it's making a big hit, running through the tunnel, whatever it might be, Saturdays have got to be the best. But while you're rehabbing, are you thinking about – just I got to get to there because that's the that's the fun part of this. Yeah, definitely. I know practice is not like everybody's forte, but I kind of see practice as being like the thing that I like to do sometimes. You know, it definitely, uh, it definitely just man, it just makes you mindful. Like I say, mindful in the in the moment, man. To just you know wanting to be the best you can be in that moment. You know, you know you might mess up on one play, next play you get back. You know, what I'm saying you're just working on yourself, and that that's just like that character character game or like you know you playing Madden or something like that you might have a bad game that game you come back next game doing well it's the same thing like you feel like you're playing a video game almost if you're in practice you're doing what you want to do I got to believe there's a sense of pride from guys like you that have been around the program for a while that see where it is now and then when you leave and hopefully years to come that I mean this program is really top notch at the FCS. How much pride do you take in that that you're a big part of what's what's happened? Um, I definitely take a lot of pride. Definitely talk to my friends about it a lot. You know, it's going to be one of those things I talk about when I'm when I'm older, you know, man. Just look at what history we have done here at Sacramento, man. What we have brought to to, to the community, to the city, you know. It's just it's great, bro. 
So when you think back on your career, and there's still more stuff ahead, but what do you th- what is a moment right now that you think of, whether it's individually, team, that you're like, I'm going to re- remember this forever? I'll definitely beat Stanford. <laughs> I think that was probably like the biggest mark in the last couple of years, at least for me, you know, coming from where I come from. You know, my cousin was a D.C. at Stanford once upon a time. So just being able to see their, those games when I was a kid and be able to play in a game like that against one of my old head coaches as well, it's just, man, it's just a great feeling. I love that game too Why, because it really was all aspects. Your special teams were great, you guys on defense, the offense, the crowd. I mean, I, I, the chance for defense for you guys, we're across the field from you up in the booth, and I could feel it and hear it. I, could you – like really sense that and take that in while it's going on. No, no, definitely. It's one of those moments for real. Like you kind of just zone in, you hear everything. Um, it's just like, it's just adrenaline was just running through your body. Um, it's like like one of those movie moments. Like everything just kind of just kind of zeroes in. You're hearing it, everybody's chanting, and it just gets you going. And I, I love it, man. It felt like we had more fans out there than they did. So it was like, man, it was it was great. Yeah, did you feel faster or quicker? I mean, you got some big quarterback hurries and hits. Stanley had a bunch of sacks. You got in there. Like, you guys defensively really caused havoc in that game. Yeah, definitely. Just like I said, I feel like the fans did have a really great impact on us, man. Just turned us all the way up, man, for sure. So when you now think about what's ahead for you guys, you guys have done some pretty amazing things with back-to-back-to-back championships. Still could win another conference championship this year. I get the sense, though, talking to your teammates, too, like that there's still bigger targets for you guys. How accurate is that? Uh, I feel like every team, we kind of just base them the same. I don't feel like nobody's bigger than the other. We treat all our opponents the same. Um, uh, just, I think we're just taking it one game at a time, and that's how we, that's how we roll. How about your position? You're kind of a quarterback of the defense at that middle linebacker spot, and, and you rove around, but what's what's the best part about playing linebacker? Uh, just For me, it's just hitting people because that's what I've always <laughs> been doing since I was a little kid. I just love to hit people. But, you know, just being able to just tell my teammate what's going on, what's happening, and making sure they're doing what they're doing so they can have their best game too. Like it's just I like to see my teammates do well too. So take us into your mind when it's maybe pre-snap and you've got the signal. Like what, what kind of things are you processing? Is it formation, running backs, tight ends? Like what, what are you looking at before the quarterback snaps it? Definitely looking at the back set. I'm trying to hear what the quarterback's cadence is so I can, you know, if I'm blitzing or something like that, I can be on time with that. Um, I'm definitely checking just like overall formations and stuff like that, What where the tight end's at, you know, where – well, if they're in the two back set, you know, if they're, I'm saying, how many receivers or tight ends they have in the game and whatnot. But yeah, I'm definitely focusing on a lot. Do you get a chance much when you're on the sideline, watch your offense, or are you guys kind of prepping the next sequence defensively? I kind of, we do have a lot of time. Sometimes it just depends on what drive is happening, but I feel like most of the time, yeah, we're on there prepping yeah. on, on the sideline, yeah. I know a lot of times in the past, people, you know, Coach Thompson, who was then working under Coach Taylor, said, I'm glad we're not facing our offense anymore. Is that still something that was, like, once you get through camp, you're glad to be done with your own offense? I feel like our offense is probably, like, the hardest offense to play because they have so many things to attack you with. It's, it's like they have a playoff of a playoff of a playoff of a playoff of a play. <laughs> so it's like, man, I can do this, but if I do this, they're going to throw it behind me. Or if I if I drive back, they're going to run the ball. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I hate playing against offense. <laughs> I do. I really do. Yeah. Honestly. How uh, how was the time off? You guys, bye weeks kind of na- lined up naturally. How did that, or nicely, middle of the season? How did uh, how did you spend your time off? 
Man, I just I went to my uh, high school game. I was honorary captain. I forgot to tell you that. I was honorary captain up there at Bandon. They played against Vaca High, their town rivals. It, they made history, man. They, they beat them 24-9. We haven't done that in a minute, so I was I was really happy to be there and celebrate with my brothers. Yeah, how was it as honorary captain? What what obligations did you have? Yeah, just uh, just seeing other people, man. Seeing people I haven't seen in years. Um, seeing people I played with as well, man. It was cool, man. Mm. Yeah, I know you guys do the same. Coach Mike Brown, uh, the Kings, was your honorary captain. You've had others in the past. What does that mean to see either people in the community? Uh, people that are former Hornets or certainly players kind of come back and talk to you guys. It means that we're doing something. We're making an impact in the city. You know, people want to come out and uh, enjoy it with us, you know, so that's, that's dope. What's next for you? Obviously, more games this season. Hopefully hopefully it ends exactly the way you want. But if or and when the season ends, uh, what would you like to do after this? Uh, obviously, I want to play at the next level. Everybody wants to play at the next level. But, you know, if that doesn't work out, you know, I got my education to bounce back on to. Um, I obviously want to go into the workforce and be uh, either a sheriff or work in some type of federal agency for a little bit and go into law school, maybe become a lawyer or like a, a just like a SEC regulator for like just being a lawmaker or something like that, man. Yeah. Just doing something like that is cool. Well, I know football can be in your future. People are out here, they're scouts to see you. Last year, you got a little taste of it with a teammate in Marte Mapu. I don't think anybody knew exactly what would happen, but, you know, he gets drafted. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure if it's a goal you want out there, based on what you've done in your career, it seems like it's something you can get. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, talking about that guy, Marte, man, he's just a great guy, man. Yeah. Great dude, man. Yeah. Do you get a chance? I don't know. Do you get a chance to watch him on Sundays? Yeah, I get a chance to watch him sometimes, you know, just depending on the day of how we're working with the yeah. schedule and stuff like that. But when I do, I do watch the games, man. I try to, you know, just just freaking analyze his game and how he's how he's progressed, you know, in the NFL from college too. So, you know, they got him in like a hybrid linebacker safety deal. So, like, he's doing his thing, man. Yeah. So, it's cool. As far as friendships, bonds, lifetime relationships, that's what happens a lot at college. Who are some of the guys that you think – you know, down the line, weddings, kids, all that kind of stuff that you'll be attending and going to or coming to yours, that kind of thing. Who are who are the guys that you feel like are lifetime friends? Shoot, everybody in my linebacker group for sure. In the past years, you know what I'm saying, even from my freshman year, like I feel those guys that definitely impact. They reach out, they talk to me, man. You know, Marte, those dudes, and even Deron sometimes. I've talked to him sometimes. Boy, Brandon, the quarterbacks too, Ash, Jake. Um, all those guys, man. Just a lot of people. It's an infinite amount of people. It's a good brotherhood, huh? Yeah, really great one, man. Um, quick thought on Northern Colorado. Get a little extra time, prepare for them. I know people will look at the record. I know you guys don't. Um, what's your early thought on, on the Bears? Like I said, uh, man, you just can't underestimate anybody. I have a really great quarterback, really great system, man. Hope it's a good game for both of us, man. But hope we dominate out there as well. So yeah. let's happy to play, ready to play. All right, last thing, when you're at home, when you have home games and you've seen – the student reaction now, the community reaction. How how much fun is that for you to know? And you can look up and go, man, there's there's a lot of people out here. It's definitely a sense of sense of just energy, man. Yeah. You know, like I said during the Stanford game, we felt like we had more more fans out there than Stanford did. So it definitely just puts us in a different mode, different attitude to just go out there and do our job at, at a higher level. Well, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season, certainly in your future, too. I hope you get to everything you, uh, you're chasing. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work. Appreciate it, man. My thanks to Armand Bailey. From him, we go back to the coaching staff. And, you know, before the season, I interviewed all the position coaches and kind of got a position breakdown of what is going on, uh, you know, at linebackers to um, offensive line to special teams and so on and so forth in earlier podcasts. But, you know, there's there's a lot more people and support to the program, and Coach Chris Perry's been around since 2019, start of this back-to-back-to-back 
conference championship run. And currently, he's the director of recruiting and player personnel, but does a lot more. He wears many hats for this program and had a chance to catch up with him this week as well and basically started by asking him about his love for football and really how he's been involved in it for the majority of his life. Started playing Pop Warner when I was really young, you know, with uh, like a lot of kids do. Uh, played all through high school into JC and then um, and then moved into coaching after that. Yeah. And then I've been coaching on and off since, yeah, really since I got done playing. So 30-plus uh, years. So it's been a long time. What's the draw for you? Obviously, there's a chance to, to teach young men, and you've done high school to college, JC. You've been everywhere. What is the draw still for you? The, it's the same as when I got into it. Um, when... When I was playing, um, I was able to become a preferred walk-on to Cal Poly. So I was playing JC ball. At the time, they really didn't recruit guys out of JC who still had eligibility. But I took my film down to Cal Poly. Cal Poly gave me an opportunity to walk on and got me into the engineering program. I would never have got into the engineering program with my grades alone. So... Um, I'm extremely thankful, and it completely changed my life, my path in life. And so the whole reason that I do this and I give back is I want to give other guys the same opportunity. I want to see uh, kids who are looking for an opportunity have an opportunity to change their path in life. And that's really the main reason that I do this. So I'm really focused on the players and where they're going. I talk to them a lot about their grades, probably more than about their football. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really know that that uh, not many of them are going to have a chance to go and play in the pros, but all of them will have a chance to become a success in life in some way, and that's that's really what I try and help with. That's awesome, and, and I think about when you arrived here along with the group that came from Folsom, you were wildly successful there. You guys come here, and now you've been wildly successful here. I, it felt like everybody thought this could happen, but how fast it did. Has this whole kind of journey of the back-to-back-to-back championship surprised you? Uh, yes and no. It, it surprised me that it did happen as fast as it did, you know, particularly when they were coming off, I think, a 2-8 and eight season when we got here. Um, we really didn't bring in many new players when we got here. Um, the recruiting was actually fairly light, a few players. Um, but what really changed was the culture. And I think that's what really made the, the big difference. So... Um, it didn't surprise me that it happened because I knew Coach Taylor was very focused on culture. I knew that he would turn it around. It's the reason I decided to change my entire career and jump into athletics and, and follow him here. Um, so I knew that, that he would be successful. None of us knew that it would happen as fast as it yeah. did. But that's really a testament to the kids that we had in the building. Some of them are actually still here today. Yeah. Um, is that they did have really good players here. They did have really good culture kids um and we've just been able to extend it and keep it going so it's it's been a really good ride well for you you're always busy because you're also recruiting coordinator you're trying to find that next batch of of hornets i i see through social media a lot of times uh player x proud to you know get an off that first offer and that's out there and i know fans are really interested in who are the next hornets going to be how is that recruiting journey for you and and i'm assuming it's probably a little bit easier with all the success it, it is. It slightly is. Um, it's not totally easier because we're still trying to recruit kids that want to play at the highest level. So, you know, the, the kids that we go after in general are not um, are not necessarily 
looking to come to Sac State. They're looking to play at the highest level that they can, and we encourage that. We want those types of players. So while it's easier because we've been winning, we have a great culture, you know, the people that are here in the building, um, when people come in and they meet us and they see what we're about and when they get exposed to it, that makes it a little bit easier. But it's really the fact that we're still recruiting those kids who had those really high aspirations um, that makes it a little bit tougher to convince them to come to an FCS school and in specific Stack State. Have you found, and I don't know if there's an answer to this, a common thread of the players that do ultimately choose Sac State? Has there been something that, a note that's hit right, that it's been sold to them that, hey, I want to be a part of this program? Is there, has there been a common thread that you've been able to put your finger on? Um, you know, if I would say if there's one thing, I think that they buy into the culture. Mm. And I would say that's that's the common thread. So we talk about the way that we treat people here in the building. Um, we talk about the experience that they have. And, you know, Coach Thompson is just awesome this way. His focus is almost entirely on the players and their experience. He empathizes with them so much uh, that it makes our job a little bit easier because he just really he just really wants to get the best players in. But he's also really focused on developing those relationships before they get here, make sure that they're very comfortable with it. So we don't take a flyer too much on kids that we don't have relationships with. Um, and developing those relationships before they get here, I think, has been one of the main reasons that we don't have a lot of transfers out, that the kids come in and they stay, that we have somebody, you know, like um, like a Jet Stanley, a Pierre Williams, a Marcel uh, Martin that wants to stay here and finish their career here. It's because of the way that they get treated and because of the way that, that the coaches interact with them. Yeah, I feel like you guys, the school, Mark Orr, like everybody kind of deserves credit for, you know, when Troy's leaving, there, that's, there's an uncertain time there. And really, I think a couple explored the transfer portal. Scadaboo moved on, but yeah. you guys – kind of kept everybody and that's a testament to keeping a lot of coaches moving in now Andy Thompson that I don't know how often that happens but that's pretty impressive it was yeah I don't know how often it happens <laughs> either but uh you know that was the the big change was bringing Andy back just brought a, a level of continuity the players all had a prior relationship with him they all knew him they all knew that he was focused on them and their success so I think that made the transition really pretty easy for the staff and it also made it a lot easier for the staff members to stay as well and it and allowed us to bring in a bunch of great new coaches yeah. as well so and you got those guys hitting the pavement always recruiting high school level every level really um i say mainly california but is 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 the net everywhere at this point the net is mainly california um and sacramento area first um larger california second um, and then we also look at what's there's a term called WUI. It's Western Undergrad Exchange. So it's a group of Western states that have reciprocal tuition agreements mm -hmm. where um, it doesn't cost us as much as, say, somebody from the East Coast or somebody from international would, would cost us. So we have reduced tuition. At this level, it's also about stretching your budget and making sure that your scholarship budget goes as far as possible. And we do a bunch of things behind the scenes to, to kind of manage that, and we work with our compliance folks uh, to make sure that that's all right. But, um, yeah, we um, um, we really like to, to stay as close to home as we can. 
I know the goal. You guys are out here, your competitors. You're trying to win. But when you have a moment like uh, a couple weeks ago, Zach Schreiner gets a, you know, Andy pulls him up, announces that he's a scholarship. It's a goosebump moment for, for all of us that watch that on social media. But how cool are moments like that when you get a reward, a young man? Um, most of them are not publicly visible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach's was definitely very visible. But those are the great, yeah. the great experiences because um, – you know, we do get to put guys on scholarship who have stepped up and have earned it. Um, we call those earn it positions. Mm-hmm. So preferred walk-ons, walk-ons to the program. We're always looking at how they perform to see if they they should be deserving of scholarship. So we don't take them in for granted that they're here and that they're paying their own way. We're looking to see have they earned that scholarship and, you know, would it be better going to another guy on the squad or somebody who is a freshman or a transfer or something like that. So we, we love those moments. I'll always remember uh, the one that we did with Parker Clayton when we mm-hmm. first got here. So Parker was a walk-on that we had recruited, and then you know he busted into the top two just by his play when he got here, and we were able to announce it. That was a, that was a fantastic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach's was good too, but you kind of always remember your first, you know? <laughs> well, what's cool is, I mean, he's never going to forget it, obviously, but the fact that it has an imprint and impact on you and the coaching staff, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the synergy you're hoping for. It is. It is. And, you know, we, uh, we always look to fully utilize our scholarships. Um, and so sometimes what we, the NCAA allows us to present a one-time scholarship. So for somebody who's uh, to put them on for one semester and not count against our our total numbers and we've done that throughout our history here so we have probably dozens of kids who are walk-ons who have received some form of aid at some point or another in their career mm-hmm. so most of those are academic based but they're they're really nice to give out to well, you wear many hats here, too. Game day, you, you've got the book. They always talk about this book, the analytics book. Yeah. You, you're in constant communication with Coach. Tell us how that, with Coach Thompson, how that interaction goes in a, in a typical game. So um, the, book, the book gives us a lot of information. Generally, it's mostly about whether to go or not in fourth downs. So the, the book would tell you um, at this uh, fourth and four, it's a go. At fourth and five, it's a uh, punt and I generally try and give that information to him as early in the in the series of downs as possible so that the play calling can be affected too coach Thompson's been great about if if we tell him he'll say early in the series you have four downs here or you have four downs as long as it's under four yards he'll tell that to our offensive coordinator and that'll shape how he's calling the plays because he doesn't now he doesn't feel like he needs to get all of the four yards on that third down and that he has that fourth down and he knows that so it can impact the play calling as well yeah i'm thinking back to the nau game and there were nine fourth down attempts they had five five for five uh, hornets go i think three of four that's a little bit abnormal but i i feel like andy is i wouldn't say risky but he's not afraid to utilize all four downs definitely not and he he will do that regardless of field position as well as long as it's a calculated risk so uh, Andy studies the book before mm-hmm. we go out there. So in a lot of cases, he already knows it. He doesn't even need to hear from me. He already knows, and he knows from the feel of the game whether he's going to go or not. So in a lot of cases, he'll just say that right out as soon as we start a series of downs. Mm-hmm. He'll tell the OC, Bobby ROC that, yeah. uh, that he's got a fourth down to play with. 
Is that also in the book, like the, you know, score difference, go for two, like those kind of numeric things too? Yes. There is a very large two-point chart (laughs) that is wildly complicated. Uh, There are um, time situations as well. So, you know, at the end of the the NAU game, we had the situation that came up in the book Mm -hmm. where um, there was a minute 36 left on the clock. Um, and we had to, they had one timeout. We had to determine whether or not we could kill the entire clock. And that was something that we talked about on the headset as well. So it's not just the fourth down, go for it. It's also the timing charts as well. Um, in that situation, we were right on the edge of that, of that take a knee versus running a play. And, um, you know, we probably didn't take as much time off as we should have on the first down. But other than that, we would have been able to run the clock out and probably take in the safety in the game, and we wouldn't have had to free kick. So. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking, you know, it's real time. We're calling the game. You're trying to figure out, okay, you know, using hands and toes, trying to figure yeah. out seconds here. But <laughs> I think as second and third down, when Cadence run around, that made sense. And, yeah, you could almost tell it's like if it just happened for two to three more seconds on first down, I think it would have happened, right? That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, if we had taken five instead of three, there is no free kick. We take the safety, the game's over. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, though, I did talk to Andy. Uh, I think the officials completely missed the fair catch on the ex- uh, the kickoff with a couple bounces. They gave him the forward. Pro- there was there was just a lot of things strategically wrong. I think on that final sequence, there was. Yeah, yeah there's. Um, you know, we found out that you it is a penalty to fair catch when the ball is bouncing, but the officials still gave them the fair catch, stopped the clock, and spotted the ball. Um, it's clearly a loophole in the rules, yeah. so um, that probably needs to be addressed. <laughs> yeah. I think they even gave him the yards. Too. I didn't get a ton, but he ran while doing a fair catch. They, they, yeah, that was that was a complete miscue. Yeah, we're so we get a weekly package from the from the conference. Yeah. I'm really curious to see if that shows up on <laughs> yeah. the package this week. Yeah. Um, how did you uh, personally enjoy the bye week? You guys, this is such a grind for you guys. Is it? Uh, was there some time to? to get away a little bit or you guys just keep pushing the best we get is we get to go home a little bit earlier at at night rather than a 12 hour (laughs) day we do a 10 hour day but no the coaches were out on the road recruiting during the week um you know we still had a couple of practices so not not much change in our schedule uh definitely no no days off or anything like that so all right last thing for you how is the recruiting going for i mean obviously you guys are locked into this season but that next pipeline keeps coming through how's that going yeah we're looking one to two years down the road um and it's going really well uh we have uh multiple commits already um we're really excited about the guys that have committed to us um we have you know we do things a little bit differently than most schools a lot of schools produce a lot of offers and then they manage the commitments Mm. We do it differently where we don't pump out a lot of offers. We offer kids, and when we give those offers, they're committable offers. So we haven't started, you know, for example, we're looking at one quarterback. We have one offer out, and that's it. And we're hoping that the commitment comes from that from that one offer. Um, we do that at virtually every, every position. So, again, the focus doesn't become on recruiting a whole uh, army of guys. It becomes on the right guys mm-hmm. and developing those relationships and talking to them and writing to them on a weekly basis. That's really the focus. Yeah. So the recruiting is going really well for this next class. Um, we've p- 
pulled an official visit that we're going to have on November 11th, the Cal Poly game. We'll have a bunch of recruits here at that at that game, and we're hoping that you see a bunch more commitment graphics go out yeah. <laughs> around that game time. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad your career path brought you back. I know the Hornets are glad to have you. Uh, good to catch up with you. And this is, I mean, it's all intriguing stuff. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Jason. Thank you very much. My thanks to Coach Chris Perry. My thanks to all of you, also to Armand Bailey, for joining us on this week's podcast. Thank you for those of you that listened. And we're going to be back next week to break down the Northern Colorado game and look ahead to the huge matchup with Montana State next week. But that's all coming up. But until then, Hopefully you enjoy Hornet football this weekend. They're on the road at Greeley to take on Northern Colorado. And hopefully you enjoyed another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast.